Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Right. If you're taking notes, go ahead and right, let's do something. Let's give our guests one more hand. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Amen. Awesome. Praise God. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. I know that the Lord is going to bless us today with his word. He always does, doesn't he? He always comes on time and he's faithful with his word as he delivers it. It's, it's titled this and it's really a part one. I'm going to go deeper and, and, and or just continue it um, next Sunday. And uh, it's fitting for Thanksgiving. So if I were to title this message anything, I'm going to go ahead and title it Sacrifice of Thanksgiving. Sacrifice of Thanksgiving. I know we didn't get catchy on that one. We didn't get all edgy and all uh, upbeat with that one. Just, I don't know, Sacrifice of Thanksgiving. And hopefully you take it for what it is. And um, it's, it's cool because one of our codes that we discuss is we get to give. And, and what an honor it is to not just give with, with our finances and with our time and um, with our gifts and our talents, but just with our praises like we did this morning, right? And, and we could give with gratitude and give him thanks that he deserves. So let's jump into this, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. How many of you are excited for Thursday? Yeah, it's my favorite holiday. Um, eat a lot. And then, um, yeah, and then need some more, amen. Enjoy it. Enjoy it with your family. Hey, I want to share something. Check this out. As we are on Thanksgiving and it's coming around on Thursday, uh, I started to read, and it's interesting. You know, George Washington said in his first inaugural address, look how long ago this was, man, April 30th, 1789. I'd love to hear what happens on January 20th, 2017. But on his first inaugural address, he says, no people have more reason to acknowledge and adore the invisible hand which conducts the affairs of men more than of the United States. Every step by which they have advanced to the character of an independent nation seems to have been distinguished by some token of providential agency, pointing back to God. Hey, the United States blessed right because you better believe that it's because of God He said in in another context in his inaugural address, he says, the hand of providence has been so conspicuous in all of this that he must be worse than an infidel that lacks faith and more than wicked that has not gratitude enough to acknowledge his obligations. So Washington even went on to say that America should be grateful. He was the first actually to declare on October 3rd in 1789 a national day of thanksgiving. Watch this. To God. The first to do that. These days you, you need to be careful with that last point and clarify, right? You better not say it's to God and which God are you talking about and you're going to offend someone. And, and, and he made sure that he um, wrote down what he meant and spoke what he said in the National Day of Thanksgiving. But it's to God. Not just to man, not just for our new country, but to God. And here is the same Congress that was serving And this same Congress during this time is who gave us the first amendment, which is today being used, the same Congress, to try to keep God out of the public arena. And they suggested that Washington, that he would make this declaration in thanks for the Constitution. So even the Congress was pushing him. 
We should do something that, that, that the whole country is filled with thanksgiving to our God for what he's done here. Later on, Abraham Lincoln becomes president. And Abraham Lincoln, he is the one who makes thanksgiving to God an annual event through his presidency. And he said, America should be grateful even during calamity of our nation's greatest crisis, the Civil War, let us give thanks. Abraham Lincoln said. In a different proclamation, President Lincoln said, America has amnesia towards God, the source of our blessings. He says, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven who have been preserved these many years. In peace and prosperity, we have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown, but we have forgotten God. President Abraham Lincoln. What a reminder, right? What a reminder these things are as we enter Thursday, as we enter Thanksgiving. And I read these quotes and I, I read these things that these presidents once said, that the con Congress once pushed. And it's a reminder for us today living that that we don't get carried away with our many blessings, with our prosperity. Prosperity comes in many forms. You know that, right? Prosperity of money, prosperity of family, prosperity of friends, prosperity of health, whatever it is that we don't forget about our God. How many of you could say amen? And may there always, always be a genuine flow of gratitude to our Lord. That it pours out of us genuinely. I want to share a scripture that, that really is the, is the foundation for probably the next two weeks in sharing these messages. And, and it's, in, it's in Psalm chapter 50, just one verse, which is really the foundation that spoke to my heart. And let's read it. It's Psalm 50 verse 23. Look what it says here. It says, he who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me, the Lord says. I'm going to let that settle, and if you don't get it yet, you will by the end of the service. It says, and to him who orders his ways aright, I shall show the salvation of God. It's a, it's a powerful scripture as we dig deeper into it. The psalmist says, he who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving. What, what, who, what does that person do? A person who, who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving, they what? They honor who? Me, he says, honor God. I really want you to see that, that A part of that scripture. Because as we get into this introduction here, and we read this, and we read what some of our forefathers and our government used to say, and we look and we examine our own lives, here's the question. Are we offering up sacrifices of thanksgiving to the Lord? Sacrifices of, of, of gratitude and of thanksgiving, or are they offerings of ingratitude? Are they offerings of bitterness, anger? Critical attitude, nitpicking, complaining, just negative all around. Like, really, where do we stand? I know, these are one of those messages that we have to just look at the mirror and really be honest with ourselves. How many of you like to be honest with yourselves? Yeah, it's kind of stinky. But sometimes we need a message like that. Like, yeah, I'm going to have to really look in the mirror and really decide what I'm offering up. Is it, a, is it an offering? Am I offering up sacrifices of thanksgiving? Or am I offering of sacrifices of ingratitude? What's your daily offering to the Lord if you have one? Is it pure thanksgiving? And maybe you're here like, hey, it's not perfect. And I get it. Trust me, mine's not perfect. 
How many of you have just a perfect Thanksgiving life? Just, I'm just grateful. Just, I'm almost perfect. Anyone? No? Okay, good. We're all in this together, huh? Look at someone next to you and say, we're in this together. Yeah, they're a little worried. They're like, what's this guy saying today? Pure thanksgiving. And yeah, maybe you're like, it's, it's definitely not perfect. I lose it from time to time. Come on, this one we could raise your hand. How many of you lose it from time to time? Yeah. Some of you are like, I lose it all the time. <laughs> but I lose it. They're like, really? Like, yeah. <laughs> they're like, give me high fives over here. We lose it all the time, some of us. But, but truly, pastor, man, out of me, I, I really am grateful. There's a life out of me that pours thanksgiving. And I really hope that. Why? Why? Because this is what honors God. What is it that honors God? The psalmist says this, offerings of thanksgiving honors God. That's it's powerful. When you see it for its text and what it's saying here. You know, I'm always telling the leaders this when we meet and when we get together. and We like to get together and eat a lot as leaders. We need to really watch out with that. But we always discuss this and we always say this to each other. And it's, man, the Lord gave us all personalities. And that's a gift from God can't change our personalities but the lord definitely wants to change our character and there in our character right there that's where our attitudes lie and that's what the lord wants to deal with our character and our attitudes you know think about this for a moment sorry if i'm if i'm pointing the finger at you and you're feeling all kinds of stuff when i get into this but if you have a negative attitude pessimistic always thinking the worst Maybe you're one of those people that walk into the room and, and people just stare at you because you walked into a room. You know, it's normal that when someone walks into the room, people are going to look at you. But you take that to the extreme because they look at you and then they begin to talk to one another. And the first thought in your head is, I can't believe this. They're talking about me. And everyone's staring at me. And like, no, they were actually in a conversation before you walked in. And when you walked in, you were just so beautiful that they happened just to stare at you. And then they went back to their conversation. But how many of us walk into a room and then they begin to talk again after we're in the room. And the first thought in our mind is, they're talking bad about me. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, it's just, they, they, they must have known what I did yesterday. <sighs> so mama, how many of you take things in your thoughts to the extreme? Man, if you live like that and you're always thinking the worst and there's always this negativity, there's always this, this you know, half-empty, glass-half-empty kind of attitude, uh, I, I really think this, that most likely you live with a heaviness that has been draining you already for way too long, and you needed a service like this today for God to tell you, stop carrying that heaviness all the time. You don't need it in your life. It's bad for you, and we're going to talk about that. It's not good for you. You've probably noticed yourself saying this. How many of you? I don't like people. You've probably noticed yourself saying that. Right, because people probably don't like you. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? I just don't like people. Whenever someone tells me, I'm like, it's because people don't like you. <laughs> it's easy not to like people because they don't, I don't know, but when people, people like you, you like them back. I mean, it's so awesome. It's so awesome to be liked and it's so awesome to like people. And maybe the reason why you say you don't like people it's because there's this attitude, because there's this negativity that flows from you. There's this 
Did you see? There's always this backbiting. There's always this gossiping. There's always this ingratitude that the last thing that people want is to be around you so they don't like you in a sense. And then you automatically come up with this great conclusion. It's just that I don't like people. <laughs> How wrong we get it sometimes, right? You may be too critical. You may be too overwhelming. This world is way negative as it is already. Any ameners? Amen. This world is way too negative already. It is. They have cartoons now. I have to watch on my, on my, on my son's hours of watching TV. I got to watch out because they'll show a, a booty on the screen already. I'm like, well, my son's out to see a naked cartoon already. What's that? It's, it's naked, son. It's just, let's just get through this already. It's crazy the negative world we live in. It's way too overwhelming, and yet then we come into the scene, and maybe we're too critical and we're too overwhelming with the weight of the world already. And the last thing that people need is someone around them constantly reminding them of this. You guys are with me? Like, hey, life is already hard as it is, and you are just pushing me down even more. They don't need that reminder from us. I hope this is blessing you already because we haven't even gotten into this yet. But you're here. And maybe you're breathing heavy today. Maybe you want to jump out of your seat. Don't do that yet. Just stay put. But I want you to consider this, and I mean this with all my heart, that if that's you today and you're heavy today and you want to jump out of your seat, I mean this today. It's not a coincidence you're here. The Lord loves you way too much to keep you like that. The Lord loves you way too much to keep you like that. Consider that, please, before we get into this message. He who offers, come on, come on, we're going to have a good time today. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me, he says. Not me, him. Honors me, he says. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. He says to you today, I want you to honor me. I love you. I want you to honor me. I love you. And maybe you feel like, yeah, but no one understands. Ever felt like that? It's true. No one probably does understand. Maybe there's that one person that does. No one understands. But I say, okay. But your maker does. Your creator understands. Jesus gets you. If you're taking notes, you should write that. So when you flip through those pages, maybe five years from now, and you're going through something hectic, and you flip the page on bold letters on your notebook, it says, Jesus gets me. And that's cool, because look, I've been married now, for not that long, but a little bit less than 10 years, and um, my wife still doesn't get me. <laughs> and I understand it might be 20 years, and she's probably still not going to get me. And, um, but I understand that everything in life, Jesus gets me. I want to share a passage that really spoke to me this week. And Jesus is breaking bread. And we did a Lord's Supper. And we had an amazing midweek service. How many of you were here on Wednesday and were just blessed? Oh, man, praise God. We were just blessed tremendously by the word, by the teaching, and, and by our time together in the Lord's Supper. But I want to go back and visit something from the Lord's Supper. Jesus is breaking bread in the last supper that he would ever have with his disciples, right? And we're going to go to Luke 22. You could go there with your Bible. Go to verse 14. 
And as he's going to, as he's going to break bread and, and have this last supper, which we call the Lord's Supper, with his disciples, I want you to remember this. He's hours away, just moments away, okay, from what he would have to endure, the, the darkest moment of his life. I really want you to remember that because this is what we do. We, we'll go to the text and we'll read it and we forget really what's happening in the text. But what I, as we get ready to read this text in Luke, I, I want you to truly remember this. Jesus is just moments away from the most horrific moment of his life. Just, just moments away. So right before he enters this horrific moment of his life, he comes to eat in this last supper with his disciples. And look what he says. Go to verse 14 with me. It says, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. See that? He knew what he was about to go through and endure. I've been, I've been waiting, man, for this day. It's right before my suffering will begin. Verse 16 says, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 17, then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Next time God drinks wine, it's going to be with me. Next time Jesus drinks wine, it's going to be with me. Verse 19, you know what that means, right? He's going to celebrate. He's going to celebrate with us. He's going to give a toast and say, we're home, we're home, we're home. I just said we're going to drink wine. I didn't say we're going to get drunk. Some of you are looking at me, just, just wine. Verse 18, for I will not drink wine until the kingdom of God has come. Verse 19, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces. He gave it to the disciples and look what he said. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 20, and supper, he took another cup at wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Come on. This has blessed me tremendously. He's just moments, just hours away from the darkest, from the toughest, most trying time of his life. And we know according to this text that he knows what he's about to enter into because he says, I've been eager for this day that we would eat together before my suffering. That's probably the worst thing to ever tell a human being, right? Hey, you're going to die, but you're going to be like persecuted right before you die and it's going to happen on this date. So you already know the date, the hour, the minute. So it makes the whole just scene a whole lot more intense because Jesus actually knows what he's about to do. He knows what they're going to do to his body. They know, he knows how they're going to rip his beard. He knows how they're going to punch him. He knows how they're going to mock him. He knows that he's going to be around the people that, that he grew up with and he preached to and that he claimed to be God. And he knows that in front of all those people, he's actually going to hang naked. This whole thing about a cloth around him and he's hanging on a cross, that is so false. He was naked with all of his private parts hanging out. And he knew that the God of the universe who declared that to everyone on earth is now going to hang on a cross. He was moments away from that. Moments away from that. And just moments away from that, he does something unreal. He does something that just bugs me out. 
He, he's about to pass the wine to the disciples to drink. And he's about to break bread for all of them to eat. And then he does something that is so crazy. Have you ever considered, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever seen this in the scripture? What does he do? He gives thanks to God for it. He takes a cup of wine and scripture says, and he gave thanks to God for it. He grabs some bread, rips it into pieces, and he gives thanks to God for it. He wasn't thanking God for the food that he was about to eat and the wine that he was about to drink. Stop thinking that. He was giving thanks to God for the blood that was going to be poured from his body and from the body that was going to be hung on the cross. And he gave thanks to God for this. (laughs) Be like, oh, yes. So then what do we do? We get, we get together and like, you didn't pray before you ate. It's deeper than that stuff. Pray before you eat. That's good if you want to. You're not going to go to hell because you did not pray. But pray. Pray always. Pray in all things. That's good. Those are good biblical things. But, but you better believe that in this passage, Jesus wasn't thanking just the food and the wine. Jesus was thanking the blood that was going to come out of his body and the body that was going to be hung in shame on the cross. Thank you, God, for this opportunity. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It is an honor to do the Father's will. And if it takes for my body to be ripped open and my, bo- my body to be hung on a cross, thank God for it, he says. Man, he's giving thanks to the Father. Like, I'm not even going to ask the question. I should ask it. What would you do if you were in that situation? (laughs) What do you think I would do? How the heck did you tell me to do this? God, I think I'm done following you. God, I don't know what. Like, think about if we were in that situation. He's giving thanks to the Father for the blood that he was about to shed. He was giving thanks to the Father for the body that he was about to give up on the cross. Hey, guys, do you remember the psalm I said the foundation of this message is based off? He was, an, he was offering himself, come on, as a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Did, did you see that? Because... An offering of sacrifice to thanksgiving honors. I wish you guys were with me today. I'm going to say it again just so you could get with me. Ready? An offering of, san- of sacrifice of thanksgiving honors God. And he knew that. And here he is, the son in the flesh. And he becomes a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And because he knows that, he rips what is symbolic for his body. He takes what is symbolic for his blood and he gives thanks for it. You know, you will always notice in the life of Christ that Jesus' main focus on earth was to do the Father's will. Do you remember when he was 12 years old? His parents were like, oh, he's not in the caravan. The heck is Jesus? How do you leave your son? They make a U-turn, they go back to the temple, back to Jerusalem. Have you found Jesus? Oh, yeah, I think he's with the scholars up in uh, Solomon's porch over there teaching for a little bit. Oh, really? As they walk in, they're like, son, son, you're only 12 for goodness sakes. Mom and dad were halfway home. And he's like, don't you know I'm on my father's will about his business? That was the first indicator to his parents, a reminder to them that his main purpose on being on earth was to gratitude was to make the Father, to fill the Father with gratitude 
And the way by doing that is by always, always being obedient to his will. And here he is as the son of God. And it brought gratitude to him to be an offering of sacrifice, of thanksgiving. Man, happy Thanksgiving, guys. I'm just smiling in my heart right now. Here he is as the son of God, and it brings him gratitude. Are you filled with thanksgiving? Are you filled with gratitude? Well, why? Why? Because you're doing it as an offering of sacrifice of thanksgiving to the one who is worthy, to God. You know, at his darkest moment, his heart of gratitude does not seclude itself with anger and with bitterness and with hatred. But what does it do? His heart of attitude, it glorifies God. And it pours out love. And it gives forth thanksgiving to the Father. This blood, man, it'll be difficult and it'll be painful to offer it up to all people. But I thank you, God, for it. This body that I'm going to give it so that others may be saved, even though they don't deserve it, it'll hurt. It'll be painful, but I thank you, God, for it. Jesus looked at his circumstances with gratitude, which brought results that glorified God. He looked at circumstances with thanksgiving that brought glory to the Father. So I look at that and I said, Jesus had the right attitude. That's what it's really telling us. He understood it, that in all circumstances, be grateful, even when they were punching his beard, even when they were whipping his back. I'm sure he didn't like, oh, this feels great. I needed a massage. Definitely not. He was not feeling that. It was painful. It was one of the worst pains a human could endure. So it wasn't a happy moment. Not a happy moment necessarily, but it was a moment of thanksgiving because it pleased the Father. Like that when you look at it with, with such truth like that, it really should overwhelm you. That man, it all depends how I look at my circumstances. And depending how you look at your circumstances, whether it's in gratitude or ingratitude, it determines who or what is glorified. Is it your circumstances or is it your God? So many people, they glorify their circumstance. And they forget to glorify God. And you know what many people do? They walk away from the presence of God. But in every circumstance, may it bring glory to God. We are never called to, notice, we were never called to glorify in a circumstance. We were to glorify in the one who gave us the opportunity to endure through that circumstance. You went through a circumstance, but you're still alive, but you're still here. You're actually still blessed. You need to look at it with a different attitude and recognize, stop giving glory to your circumstance and start giving glory to the God who got you through that circumstance. <laughs> a person's attitude of thanksgiving. I heard James McDonald, one of my favorite preachers, say this. Gratitude is the attitude that will give you the altitude in life. Gratitude is the attitude that will give me the altitude in life. Church, don't take your circumstances for granted. Take them with gratitude. How many of you could say amen? I shared this at our 930 huddle, and I want to share it again. It's from... 
G.K. Chesterton, mentor of C.S. Lewis, and he says this, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or you take them with gratitude. Just let that sink in. How do you take things in life? Because maybe you're here and you feel crippled from the person that you're meant to be. You've ever felt like you're really called and you're really meant to be someone else? But there's just something inside of you that's just aching you and breaking you that you're not able to get to that person that you know God is calling you to be. I know there's got to be someone here. And you feel crippled from the person you were meant to be. And the reason why today you're getting this understanding, maybe it's because of the lack of thanksgiving in my life. Maybe you're filled with negativity rather than with gratitude. I want to share some things because if you've lived through this, you've lived through the effects, the effects of a negative attitude. What are some of the effects of negative attitude? I'll just read some, and maybe you're going through one of these things. I think all of us probably have, um, have gone through one of these. Ready? Effects of a negative attitude, it drains the energy out of you. You felt like that? Feel like that lately? Effects of negative attitude, it loses focus or motivation. Maybe you've lost focus or motivation. It causes your emotions to overtake you, which at times it weakens your immune system. You found yourself be so negative that that negativity is causing you to always be sick. Just sick all the time. I just don't know what it is. The, the doctors can't diagnose it. I know. But the word of God does. The word of God diagnoses it. It's the attitude. It's, it's causing you to be sick all the time. Maybe the effects of your negative attitude, it's caused chronic stress. You know what chronic, chronic, chronic stress causes us? To have a, it upsets the body's hormone balance and it can even deplete the brain chemicals, which, which we need because re, those things are required for us feeling happy. And when we go through this chronic stress, we're, we no longer feel happiness anymore like we once used to. It is said that people with bad attitudes are not as healthy and have more bad habits than those with good attitudes. Ever had these effects of negative attitude? Anyone in here? I wrote this one last. It even affects people around you. Relationships have been strained. Family problems have been strained. Like, think about your attitude. And it's affected the people around you. How many of you, God is really speaking to your heart today? Maybe you're here and you're like, man, I could add some things to that list that you have not mentioned, that you forgot. But before you add anything else to that list, can I share a passage today that I believe is going to rock your life? Just as a reminder. is Jesus. Jesus calling his followers to him in Matthew 11, 28, 29, and 30. And look what he says to them. Come on, every eye up here, watch this. He says this. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It doesn't end there. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You, you, you're going through the effects of a negative attitude. Jesus says, come to me with every 
everything. With everything. But if I could hit a note, I would stay with the song and just start singing it and break off in song. But with everything. Even with this attitude? Yeah, with everything. Come to me. If you're heavy laden, I'm going to give you rest. My yoke upon you, you're going to learn from it. I am gentle and I am lowly, lowly, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is You've been burned. You've been hurt. You've gone through a circumstance. It shaped your attitude to where it's at today. And God looks at you today and speaks to your heart, speaks deep into your soul. And he says, happy Thanksgiving. Come to me, all of you who are weary. Come to me. You know what Proverbs 17, 22 says? A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Your bones have been feeling dried up. Well, today is your day ordained by God that if your spirit is crushed and your bones are dry, it's your day to come to him. And he will give you a joyful, a thankful heart. I hope you could receive that today. William Law, he lived in the 1700s. He was a theological writer. He wrote based off, off a lot of theologians and, and what they, how they would commentary on scripture. And he became known as a very respected theological writer from, from many respected theologians that we preach about today. But listen to what he says. He said this one time, the greatest saint in the world is not he who prays most or fasts most, it is not he who gives alms or is most eminent of her temperance, chastity, or justice. It is he who is most thankful to God. I'm about to end, and as I get ready to end, I want to end with this, and I want you to really see what I'm talking about here because we each choose, we each choose how we react to troublesome events. How our attitudes will shape up whether they'll become attitudes of thanksgiving or they will become attitudes and hearts of ingratitude. I want, I want to share a passage with you because how many of you have noticed that the years are just flying by? The days are going quickly. Moments are passing through quickly. And, and, and one of the encouragements, knowing that I'm going to talk about our attitudes for the next two weeks, and I'm going to go a little bit deeper in this next Sunday is as I started to look at all this, I said, man, I really need to encourage brothers, sisters, the church, the body, that to take every moment and cherish every single moment. Cherish every single one. Uh, uh, cherish your family. Cherish your friendships. The times we laugh together, the times we cry together with your friends. Cherish the times you work. Have you ever met someone that they work? And they've been blessed with a job to make money. But every day, they talk negative about work. Say, be blessed that you have a job. You ever met someone that was praying for a spouse? They got a spouse, and all they do is complain about the spouse. You ever met someone that was praying for children? They have children now. My God, my child is such a headache. Blessing becomes like a curse to us. I, I want us just to stop right now. Really look at our hearts. And say, I'm going to start cherishing every moment. 
my friends, my family, the times I get to laugh with you, the times I get to cry with you. These years are flying. I love how one of the wisest men scripture calls to ever live other than Christ. He's at the end of his life, he did an exploration and he did a little research project. He spent all his billions of dollars to find what true success is, to find what true happiness is. And at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, he gives us a writing of, of everything he found out. And man, was he wrong about a lot of stuff. But at the end of Solomon's life, Solomon says it this way. I'm going to read it from the message translation. I'm just going to read one verse. He says, each day is God's gift. Just receive that. Each day is God's gift. It's all you get in exchange for the hard work of staying alive. Make the most of each one. Whatever turns up, grab it and do it and heartily. You know what that means, right? With a good heart, with a joyful heart, a thankful heart. Do it heartily. Whatever comes up. But you don't know what's come up, right? But take that and transform it because of the attitude that's in you. And say, you don't know what's come up and how I've glorified God in this situation. Do it heartily. And then he says, this is your, your last and only chance at it. Your last and only chance. For there's neither work to do nor thoughts to think. In the company of the dead, when you're most certainly headed. He's like, news alert, you're all headed towards death. So because we're all headed there, this might be our last and only chance. This might be it. And each day of it, that he gives it to us, it's a gift from him. Make the most of each one. And whatever turns up, whatever rises up, grab it, do it. And do it with a good heart. Because once you die, that's it. Your training for eternity is done. Maybe you heard me stutter earlier. I guess I'll share it. A couple of the guys got together and we went out to eat and fellowship this week. We had such a good time. We laughed and we made fun of each other and we loved each other and we did things that guys do. We spoke about all kinds of things, things that did not matter, but for guys, it means the world. You ever been in a man conversation? We have some, some, some deep, I mean, us Christian men, theological, biblical discussion, and uh, not really. Sometimes we just fight about, and we just argue, and we just laugh about, and, and, it, and it becomes medicine to us. It's like, oh, we needed that, to just be men with each other, and just talk with one another. And we had such a good time, and we uplifted each other, and, and, and this is a true story. I come home, and I'm driving home, and I'm driving, and I get to a... If you're familiar with down south a little bit, I'm, I'm going down Coral Way, which I don't even know why I went down Coral. Oh yeah, because we were up in that area. And as I'm driving down, I have a tendency of daydreaming when I'm driving. I really do. It's really bad. I have a tendency of daydreaming everywhere I go. I'm all over the place. It causes me to just lose focus. So as I'm driving, I promise you, I was not on my phone. I was not texting. I was not looking at social media. I promise you, I will tell you if I was. And as I'm driving, in, in a two-door Civic 
that if you just blow on it, it could crumble. And as I'm driving, I notice I'm just, and I see there's a red light. And I go, wah, and I'm braking. And I don't know what happens, but my brakes are not working. And I'm and I'm taking the red light. And I finally stopped on the half and I look back and I see a truck there. And I, see, and I just started going home. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 87th and Coleway, very active, very busy, very busy, busy intersection. My wife's so busy that she's probably not going to hear this podcast. Hopefully, don't tell her that this happened. I haven't told her yet. <laughs> but I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I got home. I couldn't stop to hear Jesus. I, I got home. My son was passed out. I walked into his room, and I just smiled at him. I grabbed my daughter and I gave her a kiss. I grabbed my wife. How you doing? How's your date? You <laughs> need to go out with the men more often. <laughs> give her a kiss. Went to the shower. Got dressed. Uh, went to bed. And, and I went to bed. Thank you, Jesus. I could have died today. I actually woke up the next morning still thanking Jesus. I thank you, God. Because I know how dangerous that intersection could have been. I can't believe I just took it like that. Someone could have rammed me. I could have had my child in the car. And I noticed as I did this message. I noticed this. Each day is a gift from God. It's all you get in exchange for, for the hard work of staying alive. Just get another gift. You did such a good job, by the way, staying alive. Thank you for sleeping well last night. Thank you for, for being here today. Thumbs up for you because you're staying alive. Good job. But that's it. That's, that's your responsibility to stay alive. But as God gives you a new day, Whatever comes up, take it with gratitude. Grab it with a thankful heart because it might be your only chance to do it. So I went home and I looked at my wife different. I looked at my son different. I looked at my daughter different because I recognized I could have missed this chance just like that. No one knows. You don't know. But I do know one thing. We got a gift from God right now. I'm living. So Lord, change my bad attitude if you got one. Change it, God. Lord, I want this to actually be a year that I'm filled with thanksgiving. I want to change that in the midst of my circumstances, I spend so much energy glorifying it rather than glorifying you. God, I want to have a thankful heart starting right now. Change my attitude. Change my negativity. Let me glorify you, amen. You stand with me today as we get ready to close up. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this time together. We praise you. We love you. Lord, you know what we're carrying. You know what we're holding on to. But if there's anyone here right now that just needs to give that attitude to you and say, Lord, give me a, an attitude of, of gratitude, a, a heart of thanksgiving. And that this week I'll look at my family different, even the ones I really don't like. We all know someone there I'm going to look at them with different eyes, with a different heart this year. 
tired of living with this negativity. I need your joy. It's medicine to my spirit and to my bones. Who have been dried up, who have been decaying way too long already. Breathe life into me, Lord. Breathe joy. Breathe gratitude into my heart. Guys, I'm sure this is almost all of us. So, so this is what I'm going to do. We're going to worship in a song for just, whatever, a minute or so. But don't hold back. Say, say Lord, that's me. If you want to really just come up here and you want us to pray for you, I'll tell you what, come. I'll pray with you. We'll pray together. I'll ask some key people to come and pray alongside with you. And we, enjoy, we, we invite you to come up here and we'll pray together. If you're like, I need the, I need the right heart. I, read the, I need the right attitude. But if this message is for all of us, right there where you're at, start opening up your heart. So let's go ahead. We're going to worship in song one more time and then we're going to go home and do what we do on Sundays. But go ahead and give them with everything. All of you. Let them shape you today. Hallelujah.